Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I'm not there, I'm here. Funny, isn't it, when uh, the voice that we needed to hear doesn't come from the place we expected it to come from. It can be a bit unsettling when you didn't get what you expected in, in the way you expected it. And in a way, that's, that's what happened. When we look at Zechariah in, in Luke chapter 1, when the, the friends and the neighbours gathered to celebrate the birth of, of John the Baptist, we, we see that uh, they, they came with a set of expectations and their expectations were formed by years of experience which said well this boy's name should be Zechariah thank you but they turned to the mom and she said no his, his name is going to be John not convinced by mom they went to dad and uh, Zechariah asked for a writing tablet and he wrote his name will be John. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me because they had come to celebrate this incredible, it was a miracle, there's no doubt that this woman who was barren and past childbearing age had brought into the world a baby, John the Baptist. And yet what stumbled them was this break with tradition. What stumbled them was that suddenly we were doing something in a way that we'd never done it before. God was doing something new. God was doing something different and it would appear that and you have to understand this in the context of the whole story because in truth this was such a tiny thing it was just that well we expected this name this name to be to be Zachariah and you call it John it was like they were astonished. The Bible says they, they were astonished. We'll look at it in a moment. But they, they were astonished. And, and yet the truth was that this was just a little inkling, a little whiff, if you like, of something that God was doing because essentially in the, the spiritual realms, in the heavenly realms, the tectonic plates were moving and, and, and they didn't know it, but if they were marveling and, and, and stumbling over a name change, then hey, watch out, because they were just about to find that a virgin was pregnant with God. 
It's like if you don't get this, if you don't understand this, if you, if you, are, if you are challenged with this, then there's some stuff coming your way that is going to blow your mind. And you see, it's not that tradition is bad. Tradition has its place and, uh, and there are some things that are good about it. But when God decides this is a new day, when God decides that I'm about to do something different, then you have to get in the flow with how God is doing it and when God is doing it, or you will miss God. You've got to do it His way. God was doing the unexpected. You see, when the Spirit of God is moving, it's time to expect the unexpected. When the Spirit of God is moving, it's time to expect the unexpected. God is, God is do, do, not doing it like that. God is, God is not phased by your experience. He, 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 will, he will do whatever He needs to do to do what is His plan in the earth. And we'll, we'll read because we are actually still here and uh, the, I've been preaching some of this stuff in the mornings and, and not in the evenings. And, uh, and so if you, uh, after hearing tonight, are so inspired, you can go and catch up with some of this stuff uh, on the website. But I've been around these Scriptures over the last three weeks. I didn't know that was the way it was going to go, but that is the way the Spirit of God has taken us as a church. And we read in Luke, in Luke chapter 1 about this incredible set of circumstances, actually, that when it was time, verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbours were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. In last week's message, we talked about the fact that, um, in fact, I was, I was going to miss a bit out and I just feel prompted to go back. Because at the, end, at the end there, it says, what then is this child going to be? What then is this child going to be? I want to just come and speak to this section. Not exclusively anyone who has ears to hear can hear, but majority of our young people are here. What then is our child going to be? What is this young person going to be? What is this young? You see, when God, when God sees you, He sees potential. 
and your, your head may be full of all the problems, all the things that are not, all the things that you wish they were that way, all the things you wish were different. But when God looks at you, He sees potential. He sees what you could be, what you can be in Him. And God is looking to release you as much as there is an enemy who is trying to hold you back and hold you down. There is a God who's looking to bring freedom into your life. God is looking to do a new thing in you because you're meant to carry something. And what you're meant to carry is not the experiences of the previous generation. Because God is gonna give you experiences that you, the previous generation have not experienced. What God is doing for you is a new thing. But there is a world, there is a generation crying out for what is gonna come on you. People, people need what you are about to carry. God, God is releasing something new in you. Something is rising up. Something is rising up. Something is rising up. And you're meant to carry that. Carry the light into a dark place, carry hope into a place of hopelessness. Last week I was talking about the fact that John the Baptist, of course, was Zachariah's son and, and that, that God had released him to be a voice in the wilderness. And, and I felt the Spirit of God highlight that area of voice and, and the fact that he spake, spoke from a place of who God had made him and that, that, that there needed to be uh, a, the release of a, a wilderness transforming anointing. And that came from connecting with the authentic voice. That when I release my voice, it's not just about using my vocal cords. It's about being who I was born to be being the version of me that God saw when I was being formed in my mother's wombs and in my mother's womb and all the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be and that we we looked at briefly at how in releasing the next generation God had to shut up the previous generation because as we read there Zechariah's mouth had to be closed and the reason Zechariah's mouth had to be closed was because there was a possibility through his own confession, he was going to hinder the future. He was going to hinder the release of the next generation. And so he had to be, he had to be quieted, quieted because God, God, was, God, was, God was on with a mission and he still wanted to use. So it was a blessing. It actually was a blessing. But, but we see that when, when, when Zechariah wrote on that tablet the name John, what he was saying was, I align myself with what God is saying. I come into line with what God has said, with what God is doing. The moment he came into line with what God had said and what God was doing, that was the moment his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened. Which shows that God has a heart to restore the voice of the previous generation. It's not his plan that that, that voice is silenced forever. It's just that he, that voice is released when it comes into alignment with what God is saying and what God is doing now. And we, we see in the, in the following 
verses, and, and in fact, just a verse along, he said that, that, that we, not only was Zechariah's voice restored, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. So now we see that God doesn't only just want to restore that voice, but actually there was the reality that the same mouth he'd had to close because he couldn't trust it. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that same mouth he entrusted to speak to the future, to prophesy the future. And so he, there was a restoration and something that the, 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 the Spirit of God did in him. He was a priest. He'd been in the Holy of Holies, but now the Holy of Holies was in him. He was someone who had been around the things of God. For as long as he could remember, he'd been around the things of God, but now was having a completely new experience of God. God had gone from shutting his mouth to releasing his mouth to prophesy the future. I want to I want to talk to somebody who who has maybe been around the things of God for many years. You you know about church. You 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 you've grown up in church. You you know church. You know the way things have been done. You know you you you've got your experience. You've been around the things of God, but God is getting ready to show you that it's not that what you've experienced is being cancelled out. It's just that he's doing a new thing. That what you've experienced so far becomes foundational to the new thing that he's going to do because he's releasing his spirit. I mean, I don't even want to get into the fact that God was breaking the rules here. He hadn't yet released the spirit. He was just having a good time. You know, the, the Bible says that, that John the, the Baptist uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit from the day, from the day of his birth. Zechariah was filled with the Spirit, but God hasn't yet released the Spirit. And yet he's filled with the Spirit because God is the rule maker. He, he makes the rules. He decides what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. And if you're sat there with your Bible and saying, oh, well, it can't be this and it can't be that because it doesn't fit in with what I know, you're going to miss God. Because God knows what he's doing and he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing and, and it is a release, it is a release of the Spirit. The, what, what brought the transformation in Zechariah's life was that he was filled with the Spirit of God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's the Holy Spirit. It's when I am filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not by might, it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not about me trying to be better, trying to be holy, trying to be a better Christian, trying to be what God wants me to be. He knows full well that I cannot do that on my own. I cannot do that in my own strength, but He sends His Spirit. 
He sends as a comforter. He sends someone who empowers us and helps us. And the transforming power of the Holy Spirit transforms Zechariah's life. And that same Spirit can transform your life too. He's doing the unexpected. Holy Spirit is doing the unexpected. You know, I I say this. I say, you know, look around you. There are some people in this room you think you know. Because you know them based on what you have seen them do so far. You know them based on what their life has been so far. But I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit gets hold of somebody, when the transforming power of the Holy Spirit gets hold of somebody, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Everything changes. Everything shifts because the person that you thought you know is not that person. Why? Because the Spirit of God has taken hold of them. You see, why? Why can God break the rules? Why can God do one? Because He's God. Because He's God. He, he makes the rules. He, he decides what happens and He will not limit Himself to to. Us, he will, he will, he will do what he wants to do when he decides it's time. And we see from these scriptures that, that it seems that just God is doing things. A virgin, a virgin is pregnant with God. A woman who was barren is having a baby. The, the tectonic plates are, are shifting in the heavenly realms. That there's a, There is an awakening. There's an, an awareness of the things of God. People have been around religion, but this, we've never seen this. This is different. This is new. It's like God is coming at things from another angle. He's not coming at us head on. He's not coming in the way we expected Him to come. I expected Him to come this way, but actually He comes this way. I expected Him to do this, but He ended up doing that. God is doing something in a different way. God has gone left field. He's coming at, He's just deciding, I, I'm not doing it. I, I, he's, he's starting a conversation. He's starting a conversation because he's not doing things in the way that he's done them. When God says, it's time, it's time. A while ago, we um, had a guy, um, Paul Scannon uh, came, preached, um, he's preached a couple of times here. A couple of years ago, he came and preached a message um, called the Centurion factor which I think like some of us knew that God was trying to get something to us he was trying to get us to grasp something he was trying to get us to understand something but I don't I'm not sure that at the time we had the capacity to fully grasp what it was that God was saying, but that's okay because the seed had been planted. There, was, there were the seeds of this planted amongst us that, that, that had the seeds of the future and were gonna germinate and produce, produce fruit. But let me, let me just take you to those scriptures that he preached on when he spoke about the centurion factor. In Matthew 8, the Bible says this, that when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come 
and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And if you read a little bit further on, you will find indeed the servant was healed. So what, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal was that the centurion had done something that nobody else had ever done. And even as I read that, I find it fascinating to read again that even Jesus offered. He said, shall I come? Shall I come and heal? You know that? That's what I'm used to. That's what I'm used to. People, people ask me to come. They, 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 they know that if I come, if I turn up, then there is the potential of a healing. There is a potential of deliverance. There is a potential of breakthrough. But, but it would appear that the centurion made a demand on something that no one had realized you could make a demand on. That actually, uh, Jesus, thank you but I don't need your physical presence for my servant to be healed. Just say the word. I, I need what's on you. I need what's on you. Now, that's incredible. The centurion had seen something that nobody else had seen. It's awesome. It's amazing. But I do find myself a little frustrated by the fact that this was possible and Jesus had never mentioned it. He'd never mentioned it. He'd never said, oh, by the way, guys, just to let you know, just to let you know, you don't actually need me physically to come. And in fact, he even offered himself to come, but he's saying, actually, this, this guy's got faith because he's seen something that nobody else is seeing, which would give the impression that the same God who will do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it has also chosen to limit himself to us. And it would appear that where we have a limited view of God, we limit God. If I ask God to move between these two lines, God will move between these two lines, but that's where he'll move. I need, if I want to see God, I need to give God permission. I need to give God the, the space. I need to, he will take what I give him. If I give it to him, he will take it. Because apparently, apparently what we think is impossible with God, all things are possible. Apparently, if you need to pay your taxes, uh, then there, there is a coin that is found in a fish's mouth. Apparently, apparently, if I can't get Peter to lay my hands on uh, my friend because they're sick, apparently I can lay them in the street. 
just in case, just in case his shadow falls on them and that they might be healed. No one told them to do that. No one, no one said, oh, this is a new way of doing things. They just came up with themselves. Well, I don't know. I, we can't get him to come. He's busy. He's going back and forth. He's a man on a mission. I don't know. Someone just said, you know what, I, what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my mama in the street. I'm, you know what? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that too. I'm going to do that. And, and people caught on and, and they just started laying people in the street. And, 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 and as Peter walked by and his shadow fell upon them, guess what? They were healed. Now this flies in the face of so much of what we understand, understand about God and what we understand about church because we always talk about waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on the Lord. Oh God, come and have your way. Oh God, come and do your thing. Oh God, do it again, Lord, do it again. And, and we're waiting on God and, and we're waiting on God and yet it seems like God is waiting on us. What, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? He's looking for people who like the centurion will put a demand on the anointing. It would appear that the key to releasing the anointing is to expect the unexpected. Just expect that God is able. I don't know. It's possible. Let's believe. Let's believe it's possible. I mean, I could sit at home getting frustrated. You know what? I don't know who that Peter thinks he is. Ever since, he's, ever since Jesus was crucified, he walks around thinking he's somebody. And all I wanted was someone to pray. You know what? I, I, if you've got that attitude, someone's just going to stay sick. But if you can humble yourself and say, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I don't need Peter to actually come and lay his hands. Maybe all I need is what's on him. I just need what he's carrying. I just need what God has placed on him. Then all I need to do, if I can just get in that, if I could get in the slipstream of that, if I could position myself in that, then I'm going to get what I'm believing for. And that's what happened. Which led me to, to think a couple of weeks ago, I Again in the morning, I spoke on um, the subject of instead. And uh, you can get it on podcast. But I was basically talking about the ark of God, the presence of God. I was talking about the presence of God, the presence of God, the presence of God. And, and, and the fact that David, David was trying to move the ark of God, bring it back to Jerusalem. He's trying to do a good thing. He was, he was trying to do what he thought God would want him to do. But the problem was he was doing it in the wrong way. You see, you see, you can have good intentions, but do it in the wrong way. And when God is moving in this kind of way, when God is moving in this kind of way, you can't mess up on this kind of thing. You can't mess up on this kind of thing. And so unfortunately, Uzzah died because he was over familiar. He was over familiar with the presence of God. He was over familiar with the ark of God. You see, don't mess with this. Don't mess with this. If, if you, 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 when, I'm, when God is moving, don't mess with this, and Uzzah, Uzzah was Abinadab's son. Uzzah was Abinadab's son, and I know that he'd been around the presence of God, uh, the, the, uh, the Ark of the, the Covenant, the Ark of God, because it had been in Abinadab's house for 20 years. 20 years. And when David was annoyed and upset because 
God had struck Ozar and he, he said, ah, just take it to that house over there. Take it, just, I don't know what to do. Just take it over there. And that house over there just happened to be Obed-Edom's house. And, 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 and there, there was the thing that, that it was only there three months, but three months, three months, but blessing, blessing, blessing started breaking out, blessing. Blessing. It was a, just like they, they began to, to prosper and people, people were talking. What's happening to the house of Obed-Edom? What's happening to Obed-Edom? Because, because there's blessing breaking out everywhere. God is doing something incredible because there was, there, there was, there was something happening. There was, there was the demand placed upon the anointing. It had been in Abinadab's house for 20 years and seen nothing. Same ark. Same presence. But in the house of Obed-Edom, I haven't got time to go into it, but there was a hunger. There was something about the heart and the hunger that was in Obed-Edom. It's all there. The, the Scriptures will back it up. There was something about the hunger and the heart of Obed-Edom that released the anointing of God, released the blessing of God, and it was unstoppable. It was unstoppable. And even, even when the message got to David, suddenly David's confidence was restored that we could do this. We can do this. Turn to someone and say, we can do this. See, God, God, came, God came and did something because there was an expectation. There was a hunger. There was a heart. This is what God is this is what God is seeking. God, we're seeking God, but God is seeking. He's seeking men. He's seeking women who are carrying a hunger, carrying a thirst for the things of God. When I carry a hunger for God, I'm never satisfied. If I eat physical food because of a physical hunger, I become satisfied. But when I when I eat from the table of God, when I eat in the presence of God, then no matter how much I have, the more I have of God, the more I want of God, the more I need of God. God is doing something in our time, doing something in this season that is new and it's different and He's been preparing the ground for a long time. And in Thinking of the Holy Spirit and, and thinking about the presence of God, I felt the Spirit of God lead me to these scriptures in the Gospel of John. John chapter 20. And this was a time when Jesus had been crucified and it's probably difficult to, to in any way overestimate the depth of pain and despair that was in these people's lives disciples it says on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders I mean come on guys they just seen the one they were following they just seen the Jesus they loved they just seen the one they believed to be the son of God they they just saw that Jesus crucified and that they were known as his followers they were known and and, and they, they, it would have been there they're coming for you they're coming for you it's just a matter of time. They're coming for you. And they were, they were locked in this room for fear of the Jewish leaders. And the Bible says that Jesus came. Oh my God. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I'm, I'm getting so many things from this because it makes me, Jesus, Jesus appears in a locked room. Which shows me the walls built by the hands of men are no hindrance to Jesus. It doesn't matter anywhere on this planet, be it the Houses of Parliament, be it a governmental building, be it United Nations, be it the, the offices of the Freemasons, be it wherever and whatever. There is no place, there is no boardroom, there is no office that can resist. Jesus can walk into any office whenever He choose. They have not invented the lock that can keep Him out. You see, He, he, walked, he walked in why? He walked into a room that was locked because he didn't need a door. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he walked into a room that was locked and filled with disciples and the stench of fear. See, fear tried to lock up the church then, just as it seeks to lock up the church now. But Jesus, uninvited by the way, walked into that room to change the atmosphere from fear to faith. He said, peace be with you. And he said he breathed on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because he said, as my Father has sent me, I'm sending you. What was he saying about that? He was saying, hey guys, you know what? You're in this room, but you've got to get out of the room. You've got to get out of this room because there's a job to be done. There's, there's a job to be done. And, and what is in you and what is on you is too great to leave it trapped in this room. And, and, we, and, and he's, getting, he's, getting the, he's getting things ready. He's, he's saying, peace be with you. He's, he's preparing the atmosphere. He's preparing the ground. See, I want us to understand. I want us to understand something because the thing is, the reason they spoke to me is because we're getting out of the room. We're, we're getting out of the room. We're getting out of this room. We've been in this room for years. We've been in this room for decades, but we're getting out of the room. God is, God is doing something new. God is doing something different. But, but we make a mistake if we believe that getting out of the room is the answer. It's not about getting out of the room. King's Meadow Campus is not the answer for this church. 
Jesus walked into that room because he knew these people needed to get victory in the room. So that when they leave the room, they aren't leaving carrying fear, but faith. When they leave the room, they're not carrying baggage, but the spirit of breakthrough. God has talked to us about going to the next level, about carrying the next level. We're, we're taking the next level with us. And some of us thought, well, maybe, maybe that could be, you know, just in the way of doing things and, and doing things excellently. And that's all true and it's all right. But, but God is giving us opportunity to get victory in the room. God is doing something with us, church. Maybe like the disciples, we're hiding away. And for whatever reason, we've allowed ourselves to become filled with fear. The thing about being in that locked room was that it was locked on the inside. Some people have locked themselves away on the inside because they're afraid. They're afraid they'll be disappointed. They're afraid it's not gonna work afraid that we we talk a good game but is this real can this really happen and Jesus without permission walked right into their space and he walks right into your space right now he writes in walks right into your confusion uninvited he walks right into your pain uninvited he walks right into your depression uninvited he walks right into the midst of your sickness uninvited and he says peace 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 be with you peace be unto you and he said he breathed the Bible said he said receive So I was, I was sat there, I'd been away to Lord Abbey for a couple of days. I was on retreat and, and I was talking to the Lord about this. He was talking to me about this and, and I was saying, Lord, okay, okay, we're gonna get to this point in the sermon. We're gonna get to this point in the sermon. How, how do we host this moment? How do we host this moment? And you know, obviously the normal thing the normal thing when you come to this is you think of a chorus, you think of a song, you think of something that is going to get people to engage. And, and I just, ah, you know, we've, we've sung a little bit. It's been a real anointing. Um, uh, uh, Tasha Cobbs, uh, fill me up until I overflow, right? We've been singing that and I just, ah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I'm just in this moment and it's late. It's late and I'm tired. And the Spirit of God whispers to me, you write something. first thought was oh my gosh it's late I'm tired I, I thought okay nevertheless Lord because you say and I began to type I just began to type I began to type and after a few moments I wrote I what what I thought might be some lyrics and 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 it was like because a minute to midnight I sent it through to my son Joseph and I said hey Joe um any chance this might become a song by Sunday and uh in the morning he he contacted me and said, hey, let's talk. See, I was, I was sat there. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting God to ask me to write a song. And 
he certainly wasn't expecting me to ask him to write the music to some lyrics but God is doing the unexpected God is doing the unexpected so he rang me in the morning and said let's talk and this is the result of that conversation You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.